You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Guys, this is the 3 a.m. podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is DJ. My name is Sean. We're just a group of friends. We tell scary stories, uh, funny stories, everything in between. So if this is your first time listening, welcome. <laughs> If you want to listen to just the stories, look in the description below. There'll be a timestamp. Go ahead and skip forward. But if you're a real one, hang out with us for a while. Jokes, because we're getting right into the story. <laughs> Guys, this is a continuation from last week where I talked about the expedition to find Shambhala. Yes. Shambhala. So Shangri-La. With the Rorick family. The Roricks. Those crazy-ass Russians, bro. Uh, so Tristan wasn't here, so I'm going to give him a really quick recap. Okay. Okay. In the 1920s. There was Russian occultist family named the Roricks. There was Nicholas Rorick, Helena Rorick, and their son George. They were super deep into Buddhist mysticism and esotericism, which is like all this hidden knowledge and lost knowledge about a ancient culture and race that has really advanced technology and spiritual things. So basically the Atlantis of Asia. Yes. So in the 1920s, they went on an expedition that last five years, they covered 15,000 miles. They went over peaks and Tibet in the Himalayas, some of the hardest, harshest climate in the world, the tallest peaks, lowest lows, coldest temperatures, like the most remote places to the point where even today, there's many valleys that we have not gone into yet because it's too remote, too hard. Not only that, it was politically uh, super unrest. So at this point, Tibet is like, a ton of small communities and they beef with each other. And if you're an outsider and you're found in Tibet, you're most likely like captured, tortured, killed. Mm -hmm. uh, there was warlords, evil people, mean people. It's crazy. So this is the climate that they go into there. And it lasted five years. At one point, four years into it, they're being followed by spies from England, the US and Russia. They're getting close. They think they're getting close to the finding this ancient lost civilization of Shambhala, which is where, why they went there. And they disappear. In his journal, right before they disappeared, they all account seeing a UFO. But they don't know it's a UFO. In the 20s. Yeah. They don't call it a UFO, but they call it this spherical disc that just didn't move in any like normal pattern either. But there was no other like records of that before. Mm -hmm. Then they disappeared. They disappeared for 12, 12 months. months. No one knows where they went. <laughs> I thought it was four years. No, they disappeared <laughs> four for times months. three. <laughs> and when they come back, they uh, Nicholas Rorick says we were in a Tibetan prison camp for five months. We were tortured. Five of us died. They go back to the U.S. Everyone's like, "Ah, oh, it was a failure." But no, it wasn't a failure. A lot of people say they just said it was a failure to hide the fact that they did find Shambhala. So one of the last, right before the UFO, there was an entry where they talk about being in a super remote valley of uman and they found a very ancient old buddhist monastery in the side of a mountain they went up to it there was an old monk who met them and he said come with me and he took them around the monastery and on the side of the mountain they can see this insanely big cave leading into the mountain and most of the cave is blocked up by perfectly carved stone and then they tap the bricks with an umbrella <laughs> in a certain pattern. Right into diagonally. <laughs> Bro, I just read that chapter to my daughter. <laughs> anyway, and then he says, there's a small entrance, and he says, this is the entrance of Shambhala, but you are not ready, and you cannot enter. And then they disappeared for seven months, or 12, 12 months. 12 months. So. What a blue ball, too. Well, That's yeah. the worst, dude. So then they come back to the U.S., they're dejected. The world says, man, they failed. A lot of people are like, nah, I don't think they failed because right after they come back, FDR refunded for a new expedition. He gave them a new deal. A new deal. Oh my gosh, this guy. <laughs> what a political guy. No, so they're heading back to the Himalayas to try to refind 
Shambhala. Do we know like the time frame in between that? Like how quickly when they were back? Like the yeah, they came, they came back and then they were sent out. Like how long? I don't know how long, but it was not that long. Mm. We can look into that because it was truly unsuccessful with no data whatsoever that would allow for a redemption. Then they wouldn't have funded a second trip. You I feel think, like we'd, yeah. I feel like we'd have to assume that there was something. There was time for like saw. his book to come out enough for you know for them to get funding and people to be like, yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, yeah. So the, also the Roricks were like the talk of the world at this time. And I'm going to go into that a little bit, like the political uh, situation surrounding their expedition. And also, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into Shambhala and Agartha right now. So, the knowledge of Agartha has not been known by the West for a very long time. And so, we're going to go into like the first time we see it. Real quick, a lot of this, dude, <laughs> in doing research, once again, uh, my source is Mr. Mythos on uh, YouTube. Go subscribe if you want a really in-depth um, look into all these subjects, go watch his videos. They're dope as hell. But like when researching this and when this knowledge first came to the West of like Agartha, Shambhala, Agarti, what's the Viking one? Valhalla. 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 All this stuff comes from super ancient texts. Dude, so much of it is connected. It's crazy. Wildly connected. Yes. From all across the world, different religions. And we're going to go into that. Dude. Yeah, I have some of that too. <laughs> jump in when it makes sense too, because I kind of have you at the end, but sure. jump okay. in when it makes sense. So like I was looking at the photos in like Tibet, in Mongolia, in China, these rooms of scrolls and parchments and books. And it gives me the vibe of uh, when Gandalf goes to Minas That's Tira. exactly hey. what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, dude. And you know how in the movies that's only like two minutes? It's like three years that he's like studying to learn yeah. about the ring. Yeah. So this is the vibe I get. Like, damn, the, DJ, the knowledge. Shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Ass, bro. I was thinking the same thing. I was too. And the knowledge of Agartha and Shambhala come from those type of tomes and scripts and scrolls. Like to the point where I think I understand a little bit deeper of like Reed Moon's mission. And you know how he's like, he's looking for like the first edition of the Bible. Yeah. Bro, that's pussy shit compared to like <laughs> how old this stuff is. This stuff is thousands and thousands of years. You know what I'm saying? Right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for calling the Bible pussy shit. But not really. Just kidding. <laughs> so... We're going back. This is even before the Rorics. A French occultist philosopher by the name of André Santiev. And, and, and in researching this, there's so many of these characters that were like a philosopher seeking for deeper truth. There's like hundreds of them. And they spent and dedicated their entire life to like finding deep hidden knowledge. And a lot of their works like feed into the other. Like it starts going back to like John Dee. Do you know what I mean? He was one of those characters. There's hundreds of people that are like that. Yeah. Who like record all this shit and it all ties into each other. And it's like a club and a cult to be a part of this, to have knowledge of this. This guy is a similar figure. His name is Andre Siantiv. He was a French occultist. He dedicated his life to studying the Kabbalah, which is ancient Hebrew uh, mysticism kind of. Mm-hmm. And he learned to the point where like he learned ancient Hebrew. He like studied the whole Kabbalah, all the all the religion, all the ancient texts, all the hearsay, all the whispers of deeper meanings. And then he decided, I gotta go deeper. I gotta go older. So what does he decide? I gotta learn Sanskrit. <laughs> which is like the oldest language on the earth. Like right? the oldest, like known written language. Yes. And have you ever seen it like cuneiform where it looks like a bunch of nails? Yeah. So anyway, he's like, I gotta learn that shit. <laughs> Dude, and like the way language and linguistics ties into magic and knowledge is so dope. I watched a video recently that talked about, it, it goes back to the Tower of Babel, right? So do you want to describe what that is real quick? <laughs> it's like this really tall building that like all the people on earth were building and they're like, we're going to build it all the way to heaven. And then all of a sudden it fell. Well, Everyone's God, God was like, were like, no, no. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like. Nah. That's not how it works. <laughs> and then everyone couldn't talk to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. Because God like confused their language. languages. And that's supposed to be the The Tower of Babel. Babel. But like the genesis of everyone's different languages and, yeah. and like different peoples. Yeah. Yeah. So before that, what did we speak? The language of the birds. Is that for real? 
Is that what it's called? I don't know. Atomic? I've just heard that before, that term. So it's the Enochian language or the Adamic language. And that's like the language of God, the God before it was confounded. So everyone, and in this occult uh, journey, everyone's always looking for like the deeper, the original or root. And a lot of it's rooted in that original language, right? Where it's like the Enochian language or the Adamic language. Which has since been lost. Which has since been lost off this earth. To us NPCs. Yeah. Well, uh, John D. That was like his his con- contribution to black magic was he brought back the Enochian alphabet. Yeah, and so that's all his magic. If you look on all his symbols, that's what he claims it is, and that's where like all his powers derived. Mm. Anyway, mm. Busta Rhymes too. Yeah, <laughs> and I gotta get it. Gotta go. Gotta go. Uh, okay, so this guy, he's like, I gotta go back to the beginning. I gotta learn Sanskrit. So he starts looking for a teacher. Okay. He's looking far and wide. He's putting the he's putting pigeons out Where there. Where do you go to like Bro, find a the Sanskrit world, teacher? The, the World Wide Web back then. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Good question. And what's crazy is he comes across someone in his own town. Suspicious? That is a little suspicious. He meets this. When is, when is this? Dude, like the 18, 19, 1900s? No, either the late 1800s or the early 1900s. Okay. So one of those. Just ran into somebody who knew Sanskrit or like. So put it, Sanskrit. put it put a little mental pan in okay. yeah, how that's yeah. kind of Pinned. crazy he comes across this guy who is a seller of birds and a professor of languages what? and he says he, he claims his name is harji sharif harji sharif the whole time uh santiev is kind of skeptical of this guy's backstory but he doesn't question it too much because he's like he's just happy he found a teacher right right so harji sharif <laughs> claims that he left india after political turmoil so he took off right he's a bird seller and he's a professor of languages <laughs> and he happens to know very well like insanely well sanskrit to the point where he can speak it teach it write it whatever yeah sussy someone says in the chat it exactly. is a little it's like how do you know he's actually speaking that? Like, you can't disprove him. Yeah. 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 He could just be capping. Okay. So they start lessons and they're three days a week and they're very intense and they're very deep. And the very first lesson is recorded on paper and it uh, translates to something like these are the lessons out of the academy or the school of Agartha. So, lesson one with Santiev. Sharif is teaching him about Agartha. And at first, he's just learning the language and he's getting to know how to write it and how to translate it. But very quickly, uh, Sharif is teaching him and introducing him to something new and crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Lesson one. Really quickly, he, he, just, he realizes there's a deeper meaning to these lessons. He's teaching him about Agartha and he's teaching him about it in a way where it's not like some philosophical meaning or like you can attain enlightenment through. It's like, no, this is a real place yeah. with real rulers and leaders. And then you can get to it. And there's a lot of power and benefit to like finding it. Right. Yeah. Santiev becomes obsessed. He wants to learn more about the language, but also now he's obsessed with the idea of Agartha. So he trains and he ups his lessons and he goes deeper and deeper and he trains harder and harder. And multiple times he's like, he pretty much like calls out Sharif and he's like, I know you know some deeper shit. Like, tell me I'm ready. Yeah. And Sir, uh, Sharif like writes in this unknown language to uh, Santiev. He writes a message and he's like, you need to decode this. Eventually, <laughs> eventually he decodes it. And what he's introduced to him is Vatanian. Vatanian. So Vatanian is like the Adamic language, but in India. So it's like the original language of Shambhala or Agartha. Mm, It's like the root language that everything is based off of. Okay. And so now we find out Sharif is fluent in Vatanian. And to these (laughs) days, his Vatanian is like, it's recorded and people have seen it and they say it's like, it's perfect. So what he wrote in Vatanian basically was like, you like have a, you know, a spark for knowledge inside of you, but you're not ready. And he keeps telling him, you're not ready. You're not ready. Is this an RPG? This <laughs> yeah. guy's like checking off Bro, this, side this side quests thing. real quick. This whole like thing. Le- leveling up in skills. Life <laughs> life is a simulation, and this is all an RPG. <laughs> he has like skill points, and he's using yes. it towards language yeah. and all this. He's like, you have four talent points. What are you going to put him towards? <laughs> Vatanian. Yeah, yeah, you are yeah, now yeah. fluent. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So he's obsessed with Agartha. He's getting closer and closer. He can feel it. He's learning more and more about it. 
he has a good relationship with his his teacher. Yes, but at the same time, he's questioning his background. He's like, I don't think he's How really he who knows? he says he is. Yeah. I don't think he's like, because he's just like too knowledgeable. And the fact that he was in the same town. And he showed up out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know. But like homeboy wouldn't have got to where he would have gotten without his teacher. No, yes, for sure. No. That's true. So but, yeah, like the teacher's still hiding something. Some pros and cons. Hmm. It culminates in like this. It feels like a final thing where he's like, I'm ready. Teach me more. And once again, Sharif says, you are not ready. Santiev compiles his books and his learnings, all his writings, all the uh, inscriptions and like the translations, and he gets it in a book and he's about to publish it and something happens. And he recalls all of his books. Like they've already put it into production and he goes, nope, bring them all back. So they, this is after like a lot of money spent and a lot of time and effort. <coughs> he's like printed books. He says, no, he recalls all of them. They bring all of them back to him. He destroys them all. And all he has are the original manuscripts, which he passes down to his family. And over time, those are published. But there's a lot of pages missing. So there's like parts where it's like, we don't know what happened. We don't know how we got from A to B. But those have been since published. So in his works, his manuscripts and things, they were called Missions of India. That was like what it was called. And it was eventually published. And it describes, this is the first time the West, Western culture has heard about the idea of Agartha. Mm -hmm. And so it goes really deep into the description of Agartha. And we touched on this last time. But what Agartha basically is, is a subterranean culture of godlike people who have really high advanced science, technology, and spirituality. And at one point, so they've like, they basically are free of war and strife and any turmoil. So they've just been able to advance. Like mankind always like, you know, bombs each other and then war and famine. So we like bring ourselves down. They don't have any of that. So they've just advanced. And they're now subterranean. Their culture is inside of the earth and it's connected to every part of the world through these massive tunnels. And you know how we've like talked and touched on tunnels before? Secret tunnels. Bro, yes. And like tunnels being the site of people disappearing, tunnels being the site of people having... Uh, missing 411. Missing 411. And the tunnels being the site of a lot of uh, supernatural occurrences yeah. and things like that, like tunnels all over the earth. So Agartha, this inner kingdom, inner society, has connections to the outside world in all of like the very uh, influential cultures of the world. So there's openings in Japan, there's openings in Egypt, there's openings in South America, Central America, North America, and every culture around the world talks about or has a legend of an inner earth kingdom. So in the ancient text, it talks about Agartha being in a sea to the north of the Himalayas. In a sea to it's, the north. So there's a sea in the north of the Himalayas, and there's an island. And this is where Agartha is. And it's beautiful. Like the very ground you walk on is like gold. And there's music, and the air is sweet. And there's delicious flowers, and food, and culture, and music, and dance, and technology. Idyllic. It's amazing. Sounds, sounds like a nice place. What's weird about that description is, what sea is north of uh, the Himalayas, Sean? Um, the answer is... There is not one. I was going to say, I can't think of any, dude. <laughs> so that's why it's really weird because there is not one. But the thing is, even though the Himalayas are called the rooftop of the earth, you will find everywhere when you're walking, even on Everest and K2, you'll see fish bones, ancient coral. Is that real? Yes, bro. That's real? It used to be under the ocean. No way. So at one point, like Pangea times? Probably. So, yeah, like 11,000 years ago, something crazy happened and yeah, just yeah, like yeah. Uh, tectonic plates mashing and jutted like Everest way yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's the highest point in the earth. Yeah. It used to be under the sea. Hmm. It was crazy. Yeah, so insane. That's why there are dinosaurs there in China. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Oh, I, I heard more context of why China won't let us research the pyramids in China. And they Not just because they're mid. No. They claim because, one, it will rewrite the history of China, kind of uh, questioning their, like, authority and, like, their dominance in the land. Mm -hmm. But also because they say ooh, the mummies inside the pyramids are, uh, what's it called? About to wake up? No, what? Are mummies European. 
oh, redheaded. Whoa, and dude. so it rewrites the whole history of China. And so they're like, you know, we, but Tristan's right there. Bro, his <laughs> grandpa was redheaded. I know he might be a descendant from those redhead oh, bro, the city car. Yes. You didn't tell us your grandpa built the pyramids in China? <laughs> Full circle, man. Probably, bro. Anyway, back to it. So yeah, used to be under the sea. It was in an island in the north of the Himalayas. Oh, the people of Agartha had two tongues. What the? F- and they could speak two languages at the same time. What the? F- they be yeah, communicating, bro. Also, you know how they have connections to every like place in the world <clears throat> through the tunnels. Yes. Yeah. Like literal tunnels that go under the whole earth and they're connect like they have openings all over the earth. So they watch us and they keep crazy detailed records of mankind on the on the outside. Like our advancements, our wars, our Well, yeah, they're waiting for us to get on their level so they, so they can, can reveal themselves. Reemerge. Yes. Right? yes. Yeah, we'll go into that in just a minute. Or they find us to be worthy opponents. Ooh. Well, okay, so I'll go into it. <laughs> well, well, this Go is actually, in. this is the root. So this is the first time the West is hearing about Agartha. Okay. And it all kind of culminates in this prophecy. And this is why Russia, Japan, Europe, America, like everyone gets obsessed with the idea of Shambhala and Agartha because of this prophecy. So the prophecy is in the future, mankind has deteriorated and fallen because of materialism. Oh, shoot. Sound accurate so far? (laughs) Sound pretty spot on? Yes. Yeah. They said IG filters. No, I'm just kidding. Um, The people on the surface, the surface earth, have become, and this is an ancient Tibetan prophecy, the people of the surface have become united under an evil king, and the world is in turmoil. So the 32nd ruler of Shambhala will arise from the earth, will make themselves known, and with crazy powerful technology and weapons, they will clap the cheeks of the evil <laughs> king. And they'll bring the world, the surface world, into unification and then like be unified with them. <laughs> and this will usher in an era of peace. A, millenni- like a, a millennium of peace. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a pretty close parallel. To at least Christian, like Christianity. <laughs> so there's one part of that that all of these like it's the political leaders and world powers get really fixated on, and it's the insanely powerful weapons. Of course it is. Ooh. So this sparks hundreds of expeditions, and I read about the Rorix last week, dude. They're one of so many. So many people become obsessed, and they're trying to find this shit. They're putting their life, everything on the line to find this. <laughs> The Japanese are looking for it. The U.S. is looking for it. Like I've said, the Nazis are looking for it. There is a Soviet doctor. This dude sounds crazy. <laughs> His name is Gleb Boki. Gleb Boki? He becomes obsessed with getting this power and this ancient technology. He puts together an expedition that fails. And then he puts together another expedition that never comes to fruition. Uh, he has a laboratory in the USSR where he conducts these crazy experiments and he's trying to create the perfect communist bruh so he's taking ancient buddhist uh like practices and stuff and he's like through science and some weird electrical scary nazi shit even though it's not nazi it's ussr but he's trying to like he's conducting these crazy experiments on people yeah so this guy's looking for shambhala he's aware of the rorix and I think he's the one who sent those spies to like, this is me just conjecture, but I think he's in large part 100%. responsible for the surveillance of the Rorix through this time. Yeah. So let's look at when I talk about cultures all over the world have this very similar stories of an inner kingdom. We're going to go over that right now. Okay. Asgard. What's Asgard? Asgard is like the Norse, yeah, Norse kingdom Mythology? where Odin and Thor live. So Agartha, Agarti, Asgard. Asgard. Shh, damn, bro. And Asgard was always supposed to be in Inner Asia. What the f- did you know that? I didn't know that, bro. So Asgard. Uh, in the video, he lists like ten Native American tribes. 
and I'll just go over like the Navajo, the Creek, the Pawnee, so many more. They talk about how their ancestors came from large tunnels in the earth. And these like godlike people who have a lot of knowledge come from in the earth. Like so many tribes over North America. Bro. Guatemala has Shibalba, which is like their god who they <laughs> sacrifice things to. It's like this inner earth kingdom uh, with a god. They And even recently with doing more, you know, like LIDAR and ground detection stuff, sure. yeah. they have found 500 miles of inner underground tunnels and roads like under Guatemala. Bro. The Maya talk about in, in their ancient text of Popo Vu, they talk about an inner kingdom in the earth and tunnels leading to it. There's one of the most famous Jewish and Muslim uh, sites is called the Cave of the Patriarchs. And it's supposed to be an entrance to the inner kingdom so there we know where this spot is yeah we've never been able to go into it why <laughs> what the only because it's so <clears throat> sacred to like the jews and the muslims mm. the only time is during war when we were like oh let, let's go let's check go that check shit out, that real out. Quick. <laughs> so we got inside we like moved this perfectly carved like square stone it opened into this really big cavern and then we only got like in two chambers but it went down way more and there was a ton of artifacts and we lifted a lot of it and then like <laughs> there's these entrances that are sealed oh, by like shit. this steel grate and then like a dome on top of it Dude, they are for sure using it it's dome of the rock dude, we dude. don't we don't know what's in there we have no idea they do though is what I, i'm saying who knows bro they who, do yeah, who knows? they know <laughs> so anyway that's the jewish and muslim one in egypt okay there's an ancient legend that's like corroborated by multiple Greek philosophers who visited Egypt during those times. Tunnels under the Sphinx. It's called the Cave of the... Oh, sorry. It's called the City of the Gods. Oh. And basically when they talk about visiting Egypt, they're like, oh, all that shit's connected. Like the pyramids of Giza have tunnels that go from them to the pyramids in Memphis. The Sphinx have tunnels that go under it connected to the, the pyramids connected to like the city of... the. They say like there's so much underground infrastructure under egypt it's all connected what and all the... these like greek uh, philosophers talk about it and then now that one guy who's a dickhead who like controls archaeology in egypt remember he was like oh, yeah there's there's tunnels under the sphinx and then he's and like there's, there's absolutely like, no, no there's tunnels no, under yeah. the sphinx mm. so that's like an old he thing. wrong he's capping mm. uh chinese aboriginals so these are before like the china we know they talk about underground civilizations connected by tunnels india had patala where they talk about underground civilizations of a, like a perfect advanced race. And they claim that the people who lived there were called the Naga. The Naga. Does that ring any bells? No. Think None of, at all. Think of Reed Thailand when he talked about the Chiang Rai River or the Chiang Mai River. I can't remember which one. But he says that there's an, a serpent that lives in that river oh. that the Thai talk about. Do they call it the, Naga? the Naga? The Naga. Hmm. So this is this is a little different. This is the Indian, Indian like uh, origin story. The people who live in Shambhala or the inner earth, they're known as the Naga, and they are part human, part serpent. I was gonna say, dude, when he talked about like the people having a uh, forked tongues, forked tongues, I was like, what? the lizard people, lizard yes. people. Oh my god, dude, dude it's <laughs> all connected, bro. I'm telling you, this shit is all connected. Every culture on the planet bro <laughs> oh, i just took the red pill dude yeah. joe joe byron right now what dude, are you gonna tell take him? take me out to dinner what are you gonna tell him anyway so the naga half human half serpent they're partial to water which is like the tie bro the river they're known to like be around rivers bodies of water lakes things like that they hold and guard wisdom but they also guard physical treasure so it's like, so dude, there's treasure. And if you there. look in Southeast Asian cultures, this is China, Thai, like Vietnamese, all of, the, all of it, they have like depictions of serpent type creatures that are like Dragons. based off this Naga. Yes. And they think that the Chinese dragon could be based off of the legends of the Naga. Why not? Yeah. So it's all connected, bro. This shit goes so far back. It's all one. Remember how I said, wow, Santiev happened to find just run into a guy who was a crazy philosopher and, and professor of languages yeah well there's many and mr mythos is one of them he says i think he coined this term there's a lot of people who think 
that there's a group of people known as the Cult of Agartha. Bro, so it's like the Magi, but they're for Agartha? Yes. And their mission is to find people who are ready to hear the, the knowledge. We're and ready. To, and to test them. At the end of his teachings, at the end of his learning with uh, Sanji, no, what was his name? Santiev was learning from Harij Sharif. Sharif. Harji Sharif. Santiev was the one who was picking up real quick. The, the French dude who wanted to learn Sanskrit. He was yeah. learning real and then quick. Yeah. Har- Harji Sharif was his teacher. teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So remember how I said it seems like all at once, like his, his teaching stopped and he stopped, uh, he stopped like uh, learning with him? Yeah. So accounts come out that he was visited by a person who is known as the second Indian. So a second guy comes out who has just as much deep knowledge about all this and basically tests Santiev. And after his meeting with them, he, he determines and tells him, you are not ready for the further light and knowledge. Oh my God. You are not dude. ready for the further. And then they just ghost him. Does he use those words <laughs> exactly? Correct, no. bro. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but essentially. Yeah, yeah. Dude, okay, so the cult of Agartha, they're known as a restricted sect of Hebrew, or Hindus, rather. And throughout time, they're looking for Westerners to impart their wisdom. And so there's another guy, like a couple years before, who has a very similar story. He starts looking into knowledge, like deeper Tibetan knowledge. He really starts inquiring about it. And then all of a sudden, he's like, uh, a teacher shows up and is like, hey, I'll teach you some stuff. And he goes down this path and he gets really deep. And by the end, he's like almost going to be shared like the deeper knowledge. And they're like, you're not ready. And, and both of them are, are uh, guilty of the same reason for not being ready. They can't disassociate or they can't let go of their Western ideologies enough to where they can accept the Eastern truth. So like Santiev and the guy before just kept trying to like fit Christianity and stuff like that. Into, <laughs> and he was like, oh, like it makes sense because in the West, like we talk about and they're like, nah. So ultimately they're like, you're just not ready. You cannot fill a cup that's already full. Oh, <laughs> be like wa- water, my friend. Mm. So yeah, they were like, you're too Christian. You're too, you're too freaking Howley. You're basic. too Western. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> so that's the first time we, the West hears about Agartha. That knowledge of the weapons is what kicks off this worldwide expedition. Basically like, uh, what's it called? Shang-Chi. Yeah. Straight up, dude. They got know, all the weapons and, and shit. Like, but it's kind of like that. Hidden dude. from everyone. Yeah. But this is what kicks off like the world looking for this stuff. That's why the Rorix did what they did. Yeah. It's because of like this original encounter. Yeah. That yeah. Santiev publishes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3AM. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All that's to say, the Roricks are now back in the U.S. They failed their first expedition, and then they get in contact with someone else. And do you want to talk about your part? Sure. Or, or can can I? Okay, I'll, let me let me go. Let me preface it a tiny. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> preface yours so I can see how mine fits. So best. they get approached by high 
people and the government. They fund their second expedition. Mm -hmm. Okay. They travel back to Tibet. Okay. Back to the Himalayas. Same story. This is the most unpenetrable place in the earth. Coldest cold, highest highs. Crazy mountain passes. Very hostile local people. They find themselves in the most remote valley. And they find an old monastery. Much like the other one in Amman. Yeah. This one's different. They come up to this old monastery and they go inside and they're all shocked because inside of this monastery is this huge like uh, structure in the middle. And the abbot, almost as if he knows they're coming, comes out of that structure in the middle and presents them something on a pillow. He has a pillow in his hand and it has this ornate veil on it and he presents it to Rorik. And Nicholas Rorik comes into possession of this artifact. And on this artifact written in Sanskrit, is through the stars I come, I bring the chalice covered with the shield. Within it, I bring a treasure, the gift of Orion. And the abbot gives him one, I guess two instructions. He says, know how to use it and not to misuse it. So we're going to learn a bit, little bit more about why the whole world is so intensely interested in finding some of these ancient technologies and we'll turn the time over to DJ. So Henry A. Wallace. Ooh. Henry A. Wallace is a renowned corn geneticist in America. And at one point, the vice president of America. Oh. Yes. Henry Wallace. Um, so that, that was his beginnings uh, of his career was a corn geneticist and somehow got strung into this i don't know exactly the history but he had a mentor that taught him about all of these things going on with shambhala uh and just like the ancient technologies and things like that so similarly to the uh homeboy from france uh santiev yeah santiev he gets uh like obsessed with the almost idea. obsessed with this idea and he's he's doing his due diligence to learn about about these things mm -hmm. when he does learn enough he goes back to his mentor and asks his mentor i need your help you've taught me well you've given me you know my my start to to all of this what do you know about the chintamanai stone have you ever heard about this chintamanai stone there's a few names that goes by uh, Chintamanai is the main one. It's also known as the Stone of Shambhala, also the wish-fulfilling jewel. He says he, he, he goes to his mentor and says, what do you know about the Chintamanai Stone? And his mentor says, I know a lot about it. In fact, not just about it, but where it might be. And Henry, Henry Wallace says, if you can acquire this, this will greatly greatly help America because Henry Wallace was not just a corn geneticist, but he was the secretary of agriculture handpicked by FDR. And if you look back in the timeline, when was this? Same time as FDR. The thirties. Yeah. yeah. Right after the great depression. 20s. Oh. <laughs> right, after, <laughs> right after the great depression and during Wallace's studies, he was talking to FDR the whole time, telling him, look, there is something that can help us. It's like something of worth. It's, it's worth checking out and convinces him to jump on board to the point where FDR wrote a personal letter to Henry Wallace's mentor. And Henry Wallace's mentor is Grandpa Rorick. Whoa. Whoa. I didn't know that. What's his name? Nicholas? Nick. Nick Rorick. Nicholas Rorick. Yeah. The the like the one with the, the beard. Yes. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Nicholas Rorick. And this is the letter. The letter's public. What? We await the stone and we welcome you again to this glory, glorious land of destiny. Clouded through it may be with strange fumbling fears, who shall hold up the compelling vision to these who wander in darkness. In answer to this question, we again welcome you to drive out depression, to drive out fear. 
we think of the people of northern Shambhala and of the successor of Buddha and the lightning flashes and the breaking of the new day. And so I await your convenience prepared to do what I am here to do. May peace, joy, and fire attend you. As always, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. The f Yeah. What the? Sent that letter to Nicholas Rorick. It's so wild, like, seeing somebody, like, official saying something like that. What the? And at this time where it's, like, white picket fence Christian America. True, yeah. Still hating on everybody not white. Dungeons and Dragons. Meanwhile, they're no. living Dungeons Meanwhile, and Dragons in yeah. their life. <laughs> their, their leader who... FDR was well received by. He was one of the. Only, he is the only one who served three terms. Oh shit! What? Yeah, he was. He was very well received, so and like, here he I is signing right. off. You know, to go find go find that chin, vibranium. Chin you know, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Go so, find Wakanda. It's uh, it's crazy. Like the second expedition back was maybe, if not fully, largely funded by. You know, the United States. Our tax paying signed, money. Signed I off. I mean, that is the president. kind of stuff I'm okay paying for with yeah. my taxes. Yeah. True, true. Roads, I, nobody needs Yeah, we're like, F that. Let's go find the... Potholes I can live with. Let's go find the sorcerer stone. <laughs> so, more on this stone, dude. I've heard it called Chintamani, and what'd you call it? Chin, Chintamani? Chintamani. Okay. Yeah, the chin, I, I'm chin, just going to use that for now. Yeah, Maybe I'm butchering it. it. No, no, butchering no. it, but... So, the, the Chintamani stone, also known as the wish-fulfilling jewel... Uh, was supposed to be one of the ancient technologies, one of the tools to help bring America out of the Great Depression. Mm. That's crazy. Well, so uh, Maybe it did, bro. Alongside the Chintamani Stone, Rorick was tasked by Wallace to also find, quote, seeds of plants that could resist drought. I feel like I remember this vaguely. Well, this was kind of kind of the guys that they sent them back to Tibet. Okay, yeah. So they were yeah. saying like this is your this is your mission to find like seeds and do like uh, plant work or whatever. But really, look for that stone. You know what I mean? Look for that magic shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, exactly. Okay. It's crazy too because this is another thing that we can put into context of how it's globally connected. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it starts off as like a Buddhist relic. In fact, it starts uh, in in Buddhism. There's a story of this heavenly chest that falls from the sky and in it are four relics and one of them is the chintamani stone what are the other bro these are the deathly hollows bitch <laughs> yeah. what's the what's the okay so well, we have, I, I, haven't look, I haven't looked into the other three. Damn oh, it. Snap. i haven't looked into the other three but the chintamani stone is one of the four relics that came out of the chest that fell from heaven um, this shit is crazy. Of bro. course, they did their research in it and just take his word. I mean, I'm sure they took his word to some extent combined with other things, but how did Rorick know? Bro, they believed where it did, to the point where they funded a whole exactly. expedition. How did, so it's like they thought this yeah. shit was real. How did, how did Rorick know? Back in Russia. I think this was before they moved to the States. I talked about this briefly. He was building Buddhist temples. Yep. And he had a teacher. Yep. And he had a teacher. And the Lama of one of the temples that he was building trusted him enough to tell him about the Chintamani stone. Why are you shaking your head? Because he trusted him. Because he dude. trusted him. <laughs> but without it, we wouldn't have got out of the Great Depression. That's true. Better help. <laughs> so um, <laughs> this Lama was obviously connected from Tibet and spoke of a friend who he has long lost contact with, but saying... My friend, a scholar, renowned scholar, uh, was the last one who was able to see it. If you can find him, you can find the stone. So he had to get past, past Fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. And this and, is uh, also known as the Philosopher's chest. Stone. This is known as the Philosopher's Stone. For it's real? Like the same thing. Damn. Yeah. And uh, so find him. There are other things that you should be looking for. Uh, some identifiers is... Or are the stone is recognized as like three circles kind of built two on the bottom, one on top, like a pyramid. Sometimes they have a star in those circles looking like dragon balls. Dude, I bet that's the same too. 100%. Yeah, because it's like the stone of wishes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, it's dragon, dragon balls. It's all, it's all coming too? around, dude. And um, dragons. 
The Naga. Oh, my oh, gosh. Shit. <laughs> it's all connected. Um, let me show you even more how it's connected. So Goku <laughs> set out. So these patterns, these circles with the stars in them are in ancient pieces of art from all around the world. Some examples. There are paintings of the Prophet Muhammad uh, with fragments of the Chintamani stone. Fragments. There are Her- paintings of Hermes wearing a coat. Hermes, dude. <laughs> and Hermes is Greek, right? Yes. Sure. Hermes. Hermes <laughs> isn't. Um, wearing a coat with like the main design on the coat are the three circles with the stars what in them. The f- there are paintings of the Mother Mary and even Jesus holding a book with the sign on it. It's rumored that King Solomon at one time had the Tintamani stone. Probably got it out of his mines of from Agartha. Whoa. Yeah. At <laughs> one point, he had in possession the Tintamani stone and took a, took a piece of the stone and had it made into a ring. With that ring, he had the commanding power over jinns. One ring to rule them all. Jinns, of which he used to construct his temple. There are stone carvings of Ahura Mazda, who is the god of light in Zoroastrianism, which is like the ancient religion of Iran. I'm pretty sure uh, Jeffrey Epstein's island is Zoroastrian. Like his temple on there. Based off Zoroastrianism. And I think there is a lot of talk about uh, sacrificing children in that shit. It's crazy because um, the Chintamani stone is uh, supposed to be a symbol of peace. And in history, it has been used as a symbol of peace. And I think even the prophecies is like peace. But then all the Westerners hear that and they're like, not peace. Weapons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are we going to bring peace? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Through destruction. Exactly. Dude, that just be like the Westerners <laughs> for sure. Uh, it's also rumored that the uh, one of, it, it was one of the items in the Ark of the Covenant known as the Grail Stone. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's like little pieces of evidence from all over the world, different cultures, different religions through, through all different times point to like evidence of this deeper hidden of knowledge, this stone. Dude. Uh, with this information, the Rorix head back. And part of their second expedition is in Mongolia. Okay. And in Mongolia, they're walking, they're walking, they're walking through the hills and the canyons and the mountains. And they see carved into the walls of the mountain the, the three, three circles oh my gosh, dude. with the stars. And they see this painted in different places. It's like a video game, dude. Like little little hints. Side quests like, that well, what is it? The... Last of Us? Like all the fireflies? Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. dude. <laughs> this is they're following these signs, dude. They're following oh, these signs. Gosh. And they spend six years Ooh. trying to find this stone. This is after the five years that they did before. Maybe collect from their first yeah, so this expedition. Is 11 this is second, total years now. Second Holy expedition. Hell. Yeah. Where they they are trying to find this stone amongst, you know, Shambhala. This is obviously. the job that I want, though. So. Yeah. So it's an arduous process. They have so much information, yet not any information. Any information. <laughs> um, more information that he does pick up in his studies and talking to different lamas uh, in different temples is that you need to find first Shambhala. And in the center of Shambhala is a flaming tower known as the King's Tower. And in the King's Tower, only the purest of people can enter, or the purest of creatures can enter. Once inside, there are many things you can find. When speaking specifically on the Chintamani stone, you'll find it in a glowing casket. A casket? Glowing? Yeah, a glowing, and I I can't remember if it was a white or bl- glowing blue casket. After six years, in this account that I was researching, they find Shambhala. They travel to the center of it. The Rorix? The Rorix. They find the King's Tower, and they cannot go inside. Oh, they're not pure of heart. Dude. They don't feel pure enough, but... They don't feel so they're not, they don't let themselves go in, or there's like someone could blocking be, them? Could be both. 
could be both, but they kind of skated really quickly over the fact that that they found Shambhala. Oh yeah, what, what the they f- focus on is that their white horse was able to enter when they w- were not able to. Seems a bit racist. And their white horse travels through the king's tower, and they wait, and the horse exits with a glowing casket on its back with a Chintamani stone. That is one account. The second account of how they found the Chintamani stone is that it was given to them by an abbot at a Buddhist temple. So that's what, I, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> Jeez, dude. So where is this stone now? Do you have? I don't have any more info on that, but <laughs> dude, just uh, going one time, not finding anything, Going the second time. Maybe not finding maybe, anything. Yeah. So um, as they say, not finding anything. Going a second time with more information, more money, and then six years walking in a foreign land. If they didn't find this thing, this thing would have been like on the same level as the clitoris. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they did find it, you know? <laughs> they did find it. <laughs> That setup was ridiculous. <laughs> You've been married how long? Yeah, almost six years. Whoa. Whoa. And you still ain't found it, dog? One day. One day. Hey, maybe, more maybe, knowledge. Maybe the clitoris is the friends we made along the way. Hey. So you're grounded. All right. So I, I, I didn't hear the more mythical. Uh, the mythical one's crazy. Recounting. Mm. I heard just like the literal, like this one, you know how he kept two journals? Yeah. So this is the one that would be like in the scientific journal. And then his was the one that was in the cool Esoteric, journal. Yeah, the fun journal. The fun journal and the not fun. So they find this old monastery. There's this old abbot, almost as if he knows they're coming. He presents them with this pillow, this ornate veil, and under the veil is a stone. And we come to find that it's the Chintamanai stone. But... It's not the whole stone. Oh, it's only one. It's a fragment. I think there's three fragments. Oh, these are the Dragon Balls. So Nicholas Rourke becomes into possession of the fragment of this stone. And actually, it has a nickname. This one's called the Stone of Exile. And he starts studying it and researching it. And he comes, he says that this is most likely made of Moldavite. Moldavite? which is like a super magnetic element that's used a lot in the occult practices. And the possessor of this is like super heightened psychic powers, oh, yeah. sure. connection to the other. Of course. Um, there's, there's a it better. prophecy. If I look that long. Yeah, you better. <laughs> I better give me those powers. Yeah. Um, there's prophecies of people who have touched it, who have seen the, the future and the past. Oh, shit. Anyway, he becomes becomes what's it called in possession of this thing yeah and he's given very strict uh rules, rules on okay. it by the abbot know how to use it and mm. not to misuse it okay and don't lose it probably to the third part so in this the Rorics make a little small detour and a lot of people don't know are the Rorics playing both sides probably do they still have ties to mother russia Ooh. Do you remember that guy I talked about, uh, Boki? Boki. The crazy Soviet doctor who's, yes. who's yeah. doing crazy experiments. Russian sleep experiment, yeah. He's like acquaintances, if not friends, with the Rorics. These guys are just so connected. It's uh, you got to trust them, but, but can you also you really got to trust be, them. Yeah. You know, you got to check yourself. So they have ties to Russia, but they're funded by the U.S. During this travel, after he gets the Chintamanai stone, the Rorics make a small detour. To Mother Russia? To Mother Russia. Damn. Where we have no idea what what they did. Chernobyl and it's so happened. out of the way. It's so kind of crazy. So we don't know if they gave them info. <laughs> did they give them more? Did they give them relics? Maybe they had more pieces of the stone and they only came back with the one to US. All we know is after they come back from Russia, the Chintamanai stone is returned to Tibet. And the Dalai Lama says, no more can the fragments of the Chintamanai stone ever leave Tibet again. 
In fact, let's collect them right now. They are never going to leave again. So something went down. The Dalai Lama was like, not, not never okay. again. Collected them all. And as far as we know, they've never left Tibet again. So would you say this was like late 30s, early 40s? So this is 1926 is when they oh, made their... Oh, it was when they did the second? Okay. Yeah. And it's when they made their detour to Russia. When they were just oh, like, hey, shit. we're just going to pop over to continents away or uh, countries away. This is where it kind of ends. This is where the second expedition ends. And the second expedition is widely regarded as another failure, just like the first one. So they come back to the U.S., no Chintamani stone that we know of on record. They come back not have founding Shambhala on record, and everyone's like, it was a failure. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Mythos ends the, the video in the same way I'm going to end it, by just asking the viewer, like, do you think they found Shambhala? What do you think they found? What do you think happened? And to me, it's like, I don't know, man. If, if anyone did, it's them. I would agree with that sentiment. If anyone did, it would have had to have been them. They had to at least brushed like Shambhala, in my opinion. And it's like, think of the time. World War One, World War Two, Like, life, world-changing events were going down. Who knows if their expedition had a part in playing the and like and how it or, went down. Yeah. And like how certain powers were taken down. Because I don't know if you know anything about this. Do you, you know how the Nazis became obsessed with like Paranormal supernatural? And, yeah. Do you, they had a specific name for it. And I think it's like Wonder, Wonder, uh, Wonder mm. Weapon or something like that. Uh, Wonder something. Wonder Weapon. Yeah. The dude, the, the Nazis like technology was. Happen. I'm not Googling that. To the point where like we took their scientists because they were so damn good. Yeah. And that's how we started NASA. Yeah. But and anyway. Like heart surgery. <laughs> like they could uh, you know, it it, it kind of seems like for a time that they were clapping the world. Oh, yeah. And somehow they were. they were taken down. So who knows? Who knows what happened? Yeah. If the technologies of Shabala helped stop World War II. So I don't know. I like awesome. this ending though. I'm I'm pretty satisfied. With Just this not knowing what really happened, but it's a we mystery. got we got we got a lot of supposed information in between. True, true. To entertain us, you know. If you're keen, if you uh, are a, th- a thirster for knowledge, and you like search enough of these old stories, you'll start to see that there's a through line. And if you thirst hard enough. You'll be recognized as someone who might be ready to receive the further light and knowledge of the further wisdom that Shambhala has to offer. And it sounds like there's still a cult out there of followers of Shambhala who like are looking for people Bro, to like share that wisdom with. Inshallah. This episode, they're gonna come to us, dude. I mean, I'm going to Florida. Uh, you know what I'm like, <laughs> they I'm definitely like, down in Florida, bro. Yeah, I'm not going to Florida. I'm actually going to Shambhala. You know, hey. like, honestly, <laughs> it's like, hi guys, I'm recording this podcast from Shambhala. Like, what is that? That castle <laughs> I have in the two background tons. that's glowing, yeah. dude. <laughs> but who knows? I love this idea. I love the idea that there's like hidden knowledge, and there's like the fact that they tied in King Solomon and that like. His temple was built and constructed by the power of the Chintamani stone. Right there, already connects Masons, the Illuminati. It's like everything's oh, everything connected. Everything, connected dude. Yeah, dude. everything yeah. is connected. Yeah, and so I, yeah, I keep thinking about when you were talking about like they had the 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 two tongues, the forked tongues. I was like, li- like lizard people, dude. It's so easy, dude. And this is like Mr. Mythos has. He's pretty good at like separating conspiracy and what we know is like fact. Right. And I did my best to kind of stay on the factual side, but there's a lot of like conspiracy theories too. Yeah. And he has like six more episodes that are all like an hour long. That's like more conspiracies of inner earth. So there's so much, bro. It's crazy. And I'm excited, bro. Uh, this was really fun. I was really attracted to this story. The fact that there is a recorded expedition to like find a mythical lost civilization and like, mythical weapons i think is so dope yeah it gives so much more credence to things like uh what's the show the movie that you said you watched indiana jones indiana jones and stuff like that it's so fun to me i yeah. love that that there might be something out there something sure. more yeah just around the river bend you know what i mean <laughs> but it's true though yeah so anything else before we close this this episode i want to i want to do more episodes on artifacts like this <clears throat> do you ever hear about that thing they found like in the mediterranean ocean that's like basically a computer 
And it's oh, a couple I did years hear old. about that. Actually. You ever heard about that relic? Bro, I, I've, I've like, even before I had a podcast, I was like obsessed with ancient relics. That like, so there's like the batteries of Baghdad, thousands of year old, and they're pots and they're batteries that conduct electricity. Yeah. Like they, they knew that shit. Apparently the Chintamonai stone has to be contained between, quote, towers of lithium. <laughs> oh, I didn't even, oh my gosh. I missed this. Guys, this is 3 a.m. after hours where we just kind of casually talk about the things that we missed in the episode. (laughs) Bro. So, you know, Santiev? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other, you know how I said like the cult. He was working with another dude, yeah. The the cult had reached out to another guy who they determined wasn't ready. Yeah. In their writings, they like clearly uh, predict fiber optic cables where they talk about how electricity will be like and information will be transferred over uh, flexible glass. Oh. And like they clearly describe fiber optic cables like back in the 1800s, 1900s. And then the other guy clearly, he's talking about the technology of Shambhala and he describes nuclear power and nuclear power airplanes and aircraft, which like even to this day we say is too dangerous. So we don't do supposedly, but maybe that's all the UFO shit. Could be. So anyway, there's like a lot of stuff where they predict. They say Shambhala had like steam technology. It had railways. It had like all this stuff that like we didn't have back Are then. Are they to blame for st- like the steampunk culture? <laughs> Ew. Bro, if we found Shambhala and it's like steam lame punk. steampunk culture, I'd be like, okay, block that shit up. What a weird ass culture. I don't <laughs> want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like clocks and raging hormones <laughs> it's like yeah what if you get to heaven and it's just what if, so lame bro it's like bro, they're, yeah. they're into like the lamest shit i'd be so upset <laughs> be like send me to that lowest kingdom dog yeah. where uh, i can do what i want yeah if you found shambhala and it was just like you know yeah. like, like cosplay nerds yeah yeah what was uh Wait, what, but what, like, wild wild some cosplay though you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> What if you got to Shambhala and it's just like everyone had BO? I'd be, I'd be so pissed. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> just people don't shower. All this advanced shit you all couldn't get down. Yeah, we couldn't make shampoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> shampoo Allah. <laughs> be smelling like Coachella. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Tristan, did you have any thoughts at all? I'm just, my mind is blown. I don't know. <laughs> Too many thoughts, I think. Yeah. It's, we went round and round. I don't know. I, I kind of agree with everything you guys said. Oh. I don't know. A lot of chat is saying the same thing too. They're they're saying that uh what did Pack Attack say? I think they found it and kept it secret. That's what Pack Attack was thinking. That's a good good place to leave it. I, I would agree. It sounds, it feels like they found it, said it was a failure, but they did find something. Yeah. And I think that's happened quite a bit. Oh yeah. I I don't know why. It's so lame. I feel like the government always finds things and knows things, and they're like, "We can't tell the public because they'll freak out." No, it's we don't want to tell the public because we have the power. Oh, true, true. Keepers of knowledge, bro. Yeah, yeah. But if other people knew too, like other countries, then you take the USSR out, which happened. Which happened. They would go to try to find it. Oh, that's true. And if, yeah, yeah. And we don't want them to find it. Also true. So if they oh, were we trying, we would anything. cut them off. And That's do it true. ourselves. Yeah, because like after World War One and Two, it's like no one, no one's messing with the U.S. It's like we're we're, we're pretty world power. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I don't know. True. Hell yeah, brother. Dude, America. U.S. U.S.S. <laughs> yes, brother. U.S.S. Damn, I'm tired and sick, but I talked a lot tonight. Okay, let's wrap this up before it goes too much more off the rails, like that train in Ohio. Oh shit. My mango is to blow up. I don't know know nobody. nobody. I like Ohio. Oh, Jai. Nobody knows them. (laughs) Anyway, guys, thank you so much. This has been 3 a.m. Expedition to the Middle Earth Kingdom. Well, appreciate you. Until next week, bye, love you, be safe. Trust your gut. Watch your back. Be careful out there. Tristan? Love you all. See you soon. Hey. Hey. That was from the heart. Bye. I'll see you after Japan. Oh, my gosh. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. 
You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.